Amen, amen. Y'all can go ahead and take a seat. Welcome to chapel. I don't think it's fair that I'm up here doing transitions after those two songs. My voice is gone. You're too good. Uh, my name is Jake. For those of you who haven't met me yet, I am a graduate assistant here in the chapel, and I would love to snack coffee or play some hoops with you at some time, so please reach out. Uh, just a couple quick announcements. One, we have Billy Gaines over here from Regent College up in Vancouver, B.C. <clears throat> For those of you who are uh, unfamiliar with Regent, Regent is one of, uh, one of the seminaries that we love to send Whitworth students to. They do an incredible job at combining academic excellence with Christ-centered curriculum. And so if you're interested at all in pursuing seminary, please reach out to Billy. He'll be in the hub right after chapel with the table. Also, for those of you who don't know, this week is International Week. And so we are celebrating our international students all week long. So please, please attend some of these events. There's posters all over campus. There's postcards in the hub. If you see Utsal and you know him at all, please reach out. He would love to talk with you more. On that note, would you all join me in prayer? Father, your mercies are new every morning. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for this space, for this community, for this city. Lord, we thank you especially this week for our international friends. Lord, and the gift that they are to our campus. Lord, would you teach us how to do this whole life thing together? Lord, would we learn with and from one another about how big you are? Lord, thank you for our international students. Would you bless them this week? Father, I'm reminded yesterday of just the example that our veterans have shown to us about what it looks like to live sacrificially, to lay down our lives for the gain of another. What an incredible invitation they extend to us. Lord, we pray for the humility and the boldness and the courage to live sacrificially. Lord, would you bless our veterans today, this week, forevermore. Father, as we head into this time, would you teach us once again what it means to love God and to love others? In holy anticipation, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jake. Ah, so good to be here at Chapel Community Worship with y'all. What a gift. What a joy. As you know, we are engaging this, this journey of, of Jesus redefining righteousness for us as we look at his life and teaching from the Gospel of Matthew as he teaches us what it looks like to, to live rightly with God and live rightly with each other. And last week, Stephanie brought a great word about how Jesus redefines singleness and, and teaches us that both singleness and marriage are to be received as a gift, what they are, as a gift from God. And this week, our passage gets to hit on, hit on one of those most common questions that I hear from college students, and one that I'm sure you hear and express often. And you're going to see this question on the screen here. What does God want me to do with my blank? And I want you to pull up, pull up your... Uh, Pull up your, your iPhones uh, or whatever your phones are, not necessarily iPhones, your phones. There's a website up there and there's a code, 697809. And would would invite you as a community to share vulnerably. You don't no one's gonna have a no one's gonna have a name on there, but you can answer that question. What does God want me to do with my 
And life is up there, but that's, that's just one option. You, what, what is it? How would you fill in that blank? Life, somewhere, major, relationship, whatever it is. What does God want me to do with my blank? So as we talk, you'll have an opportunity to, to uh, as you put that number in, to put your answer in and share with this community uh, together your thoughts. I remember my first time that I asked this question seriously when I was asking about, what does God want me to do for college? Where should I go to college? As I was a young Christian, kind of figuring that out, what is God's purpose for that? It was kind of a daunting time. But I have, I have great news today as you keep going, keep going, keep going, keep sending those answers up there, share with this community. I have great news for us today that the answer to this question, what does God want me to do? What is, what is my purpose? What is the direction? It's not a mystery or some secret uh, treasure map with, with invisible ink that we have to somehow decode. Actually, I think God's answer about this is relatively straightforward and clear as long as we keep the right order. I think God has a pretty clear answer to this question as long as we keep things in the right order. And we're going to see it today in our passage from Matthew chapter 22. Y'all keep going when you do that. I'm going to set the, set the context. In Matthew 22, things are getting kind of crazy for Jesus. Things are getting more serious. He, he's come in this, this, the, on Palm Sunday and triumphal procession. Everyone's excited about him, maybe being the Messiah. But then he goes to the temple and overturns the tables of the money changers and stops this, this exploitive trading in this place that's meant to be a place of worship. And people are starting to and not be so sure about him. And the religious leaders are especially flustered at Jesus, right? They, they're getting t- annoyed the ways he seems to be undermining their institution and way of living right with God, the way they see it. And so they're looking for ways to get rid of Jesus. And just before our passage today, the Sadducees, this, this religious political group of leaders, has tried to trap Jesus and failed. Jesus didn't fall into their trap. And now we come to our passage today where, where we see, again, a different group of people trying to trap Jesus. Here's our list. Maybe it's maybe kind of done. Future. What does God want me to do with my future, family, ministry, gifts, faith? Relationships, summer, job, time, passion, experiences. Wow. Thank you for sharing. With those in mind, we're, we'll come back to them. If you're still going, that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see you again. With those in mind, let's read our passage and, and listen for ways this passage speaks to God's purpose, God's direction for you and for us. Let's read this together, would you? I was like doing that if we can. Ready, set, go. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hang the law and the prophets. Amen. Thank you. So these Pharisees, we got to remember who they are. Pharisees are these lay people who have become the kind of gatekeepers, interpreters of the law. This is what it means 
to the, what God wants us to live and how God wants us to live. And they become very focused on, on carefully following these rules they think are going to make them make life right with God. And they come to Jesus to test him. They send this, this one lawyer, this one who's especially trained in, in the intricacies of law, to test Jesus. And he comes with this question. But when we come to test someone, what is it? What are we doing? Testing, we're not coming actually to listen, right? We're coming because we already know the answer. That's this man's posture. He's coming with an answer I know. It's like when, when Bella and Esther, my, my daughters, test my son River in his math. River, what's three times three? They're not asking because they need to learn three times three. They're asking because they already know. This is this man's posture as he comes to Jesus to test him. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? See, this man's coming with this attitude about him, starting with me. He already knows the answer. He already knows what he wants to get at. Do we ever do that? Maybe even with this question. God, what do you want me to do with my relationships, future, passions, love? But maybe we already, we come asking, but not really ready to hear. Because I know, oh, God doesn't speak to me like he speaks to other people. Or I've done too many things. I've made too many mistakes. God wouldn't actually show me. Or God doesn't actually really care about me enough to, to show me what he wants for my family. Or maybe you might say, oh, well, I'm only, I have some terms here. Yeah, I'll ask, but I'm only going to accept it if God does the skywriting thing, you know, or audibly speaks and wakes me up in the middle of the night. Or really, I've already made a decision. I know, I know what I want for my, my future and my relationships or my finances. So I'm just going to ask the question so Jesus can bless it and make me feel good about myself. Or maybe I come with a closed heart saying, I, yeah, uh, I'm just going to need to say this so I can check the spiritual box, but God, you stay in your lane. You stay in the spiritual lane. I'll take care of the rest of this stuff. How do we come, just like this, this lawyer, with a heart that's actually closed? I already know what I want. I, I just, I'll just ask it, but I'm, I got my earplugs in and my eyes closed. But what happens if the answer isn't about me? What if it's not bounded by the boundaries I thought it had? What if the earplugs start coming out? And that's where Jesus starts to shift the focus, as he always does with us, right? He shifts the focus off of this man to something bigger. And he gives him this ordered answer to his question, even if he wasn't really ready to listen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I think I have it. Let's see if I can do it here. Um, oh. In Espanol, for those of our Spanish speakers here, Ama al Señor tu Dios con todo su corazón, con todo tu ser y con todo tu mente. Love the Lord your God with all of our heart, soul, mind. Other Gospels add strength. Love the Lord your God with everything. This, of course, is, is an echo of Deuteronomy 6.5, right? This, this Shema that the Israelites would pray every morning. You hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. They repeated this again and again. What does it mean, though? What does it look like to love the Lord your God with your whole being? There's a picture in, in Romans chapter 12. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, right? Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
your bodies, your whole being, your life, your relationships, your money, your finances, your dreams, putting it all into the altar. God, I'm all yours. It reminds me of something I think none of you have ever seen, which I'm very glad for. My daughter and I, uh, one of my things that my daughter Bella likes to do is go roller skating. And so we'll go roller skating together. And every time we go roller skating, we have to do the hokey pokey. It's just kind of part of the, it's part of the tradition, along with the limbo, um, which I'm terrible at. And the hokey pokey, I'm not any better at. You know, trying to turn around a circle on roller skates is pretty ugly. But you get to that point in the hokey pokey when things are getting kind of crazy. And then it gets to the, you put your whole self in. You put your whole self out, you kind of waddle in and waddle out. You put your whole self in and you shake it all about. All right? This is the call. The the greatest and first commandment is putting your whole self in. I'm all in, God. Everything about me, heart, soul, mind, life, dreams, future, past, family, everything. I'm all in. This is why some people raise their hands in worship. It's a way of saying, I'm in. I surrender. I'm all yours. This is the call, and this is the greatest and first commandment, but actually there's an order even before this one. Did you know that in Scripture? It doesn't start with us mustering up love for God. 1 John 4.10 makes it really clear that we don't love first. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is where it begins. God's great love for us. We see throughout the scripture, God's the one initiating and gracious love. And then our response, put your whole self in. That's the response. I'm in. Everything. God, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. The greatest and first commandment Jesus gives us in response to God's great love for us. But then there's a further effect. It doesn't just stop there, me loving God and God loving me. It doesn't stop there. There's an essential next step. It's in 1 John 2. As God so loved us, we must love each other. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? This is the second. In order, but inseparable from the first. This comes, again, Jesus quoting the Old Testament again from Leviticus 19. We've seen Leviticus 19, this quote, love your neighbor as yourself. Don't take vengeance. Or in 19, that was 1918, the first verse there. 1934 is the second one. The alien or the, the foreigner who resides among you shall be with you as a citizen. You shall love the alien, the foreigner, the immigrant as yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This Leviticus 19 passage is not, it's not to, to get us all our, our political feathers ruffled. It's to remind us who is our neighbor. When Jesus is looking at, at, this, at this saying, love your neighbor as yourself, our neighbors, anybody would come in contact with. We're reminded of the story of the Good Samaritan. It's often someone we don't think is, is, is the one, one who seems like a foreigner, seems like an outsider. That's the one, Jesus says, becomes the neighbor, right? The neighbor is anyone we get to come in contact with, and we're called to love this neighbor as ourselves. I'm so gr- I'm grateful for that picture because it makes it pretty easy to understand because we all know how to love ourselves. It's like that comes pretty naturally to us, I think. I know how to take care of myself. I know how to get what, what makes me happy, feel good. That's pretty easy. So, oh, I have to do that for other people? <laughs> That's a little harder, <laughs> right? Not so easy. We start thinking of those terms, but it's at least clear. John Calvin, the great uh, reformer from 500 years ago, I got to 
hang out with for my PhD. Um, we, he talks about how, me and my boy John, yeah. Um, we, he talks about how we need to not, it's not just good enough just to avoid evil. We actually have to seek equity. It's not, just, it's not enough to say, oh, I'm not, I don't murder anybody. We actually have to seek life on behalf of others. It's not enough to say, oh, I'm not stealing anyone's stuff. It's we want to seek the preservation and help other people have and get the things that they need for their life. It's the positive side because that's the way we would want to be treated. It's the simplest answer of how do, how do, we, how do we do that? Well, do to others as you would have them do to you, Jesus says. The simple but incredibly hard test to love our neighbor as ourselves. So here it is. It starts this order. It starts with God's great love for us and God's great love for us. And we respond with our whole self and God, I'm yours. And from that, God empowers us by his spirit, fuels us like a rocket ready to launch that we have to, as God loves us, we have to share that love with those around us. This is the order we see in Jesus' command here. God to us and us to God, overflowing in us by his spirit to love for others. There's an order. Now, some of y'all know that I, I uh, studied engineering undergrad. And so I have, this, I have this math nerd in me that I proudly, you know, hang on to. So we need a little math last reminder here. Remember the commutative property? Oh, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Yes, Jonathan, I see you. It's a good one. You know, 3 plus 2 is the same as 2 plus 3, right? You can switch them. Order doesn't matter. Multiplication, commutative. 3 times 2, same as 2 times 3, right? But some, proper, some types of, 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 of opportunities, um, functions, are not commutative. Like subtraction. What is up there? 2 minus 3 is not the same as 3 minus 2, right? And division. You can't switch the order. Well, Jesus' command for the most important things to do in our life, it's not commutative, all right? It's not commutative. You can't switch the order. You can't switch it up. It starts with God to us and then goes from us to God, and from that, God empowers us to love others. Y'all can come back up, man. This, this is countercultural, because right now, when our, what's, what is our top, the top kind of value in our culture, right? Oh, love, just love everyone and tolerance, and it ends up, when we just have the love, just have this way, just have the horizontal, we end up with this kind of mushy relativism that we just go, oh yeah, just love, and everyone just kind of accept everything is good and happy, and, and basically that means just be nice to everyone. Don't ever say anyone's wrong, don't ever say, don't ever claim to be right or, tr- or truth or any of that stuff. Just, oh yeah, just love everybody. That's not what God's talking about. That's getting it out of order. You can't start here. has to start here. The other thing that happens when we start here, we realize people are annoying. <laughs> people are stupid. People make bad choices, and we don't like it. And when you're just trying to love on your own strength, it doesn't work. You run out of steam. That's why it has to stay in order. It's not commutative. God's love for us inspires us to love God and surrender to Him, which leads us to love the world. And this is the true north of our lives. What is God's purpose for me? What is God's direction? Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all of your being and let that lead you to love others. What is God's desire, purpose for my life, future, finances, summer, ministry, time, passions? Love the Lord your God with all of who you are and let that lead you in love for others according to His purposes. 
Even as you discern and ask about those questions, what am I supposed to do about this specific decision? Even in that, love the Lord your God and love others. And trust Him if He gives you three good choices that you can love Him and love others and all three, then just take one and enjoy it with Him because He'll be there and you'll love Him and love Him there as you follow that true north. So let's stand and sing together as we put our hands up, figuratively or literally, and surrender our whole selves, put our whole self in. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we put that word cloud back up for us? As we go from here, what is God? He's, I just thank you for sharing your heart and yourself with this community as we seek to love God together and love others together. You're not alone. You're not alone. As you go from here knowing the love of God who loved us first, you go from here knowing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who comes alongside us on our journey, doesn't leave us, leave us alone, guides us to the true north of love for God as we abide in Him. And we go from here knowing the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who empowers us to love others, to see the world as God sees it, and to step forward in whatever these questions are today in joyful trust that God has great purpose for you as we together love him and love others in his name. Go in peace.